0: Hey guys, welcome back to Unpopular. We're a week out from BravoCon being over. It's a week ago now, and I want to give you my real opinion on it. And I thought, should I do this? Because, you know, I probably have people listening to me that like went to BravoCon or wanted to go to BravoCon and were like really into it. Some of you guys have probably left me nice reviews. Some of you have probably signed up to my Patreon. Do I really want to come on here and like, you know, insult people that support me? But You know, we have to say the truth, and the truth is that BravoCon is for losers, and it was the most disgusting thing I've ever seen in my life. Hang on. Chunky, stop it. Of course, yeah, Chunky starts licking loudly as soon as I start recording. Um, Okay, BravoCon. I was a little jealous when I saw Tamara and the girls partying in the hotel room because I was like, oh, my God, like, I could have been there. Like, I saw a fan in there. Uh, I saw Tamara's makeup artist who I'm friend- friendly with. Uh, I'm friendly with Tamara and some of the other girls. I'm like, oh, that would have been fun. Yes, hell yes, I would have gone to BravoCon if I could have hung out in the fucking hotel room with the housewives and partied for the weekend. But, like, to go as a fan, to go on that convention floor, no. Like... It's tragic. People were being savages. It was disgusting. I was looking at the footage. It was like, is this a fucking live feed from Ukraine or is this the New Jersey Convention Center because it's giving war zone? Like, it was out of control. I saw one clip where all these drunk white women were, like, sandwiched in together in line. they have been waiting for, like, three hours to get a selfie with Kenya Moore. That is so sad, and I love Kenya Moore. Kenya Moore is, like, amazing, okay? I would love to get a selfie with Kenya Moore. I'm not waiting in line for three hours to meet her for two seconds. Like, are you kidding me? And they're in line together. And then a fight breaks out. And one girl is like, bitch, I was allowed to cut in. This is none of your business, bitch. And she's like waving her finger and like swiveling her head. And it's like, you just know she was practicing this shit in the mirror at home. And that she finally had her chance to role play being a housewife at Bravo con. Like she was waiting her entire life for that moment. She was waiting her entire life to get into an argument at BravoCon, and then i'm sure she has the footage saved on her phone and she posted it on facebook and instagram and yeah i showed that bitch like and all her friends like oh my god you should be on housewives babe like it was just so embarrassing and i remember when the media discovered bronies that's the grown men who are obsessed with my little pony that was a whole thing they had like their own convention i'm not sure if it's i'm not sure if it's still going now but they had a convention called Brony Con where they dressed up as ponies and they hung out together, and the media lost their shit over this at the time. There was, like, 10 million think pieces about it. There were multiple documentaries trying to understand the brony phenomenon. It's, like, these grown men, they have really, like – left real life. They've retreated away from real life into this world of My Little Pony. Are they pedophiles? Are they incels? Are they mentally ill? What is the problem with men today? What is going on with men that they feel like they need to dress up as ponies and like prance around together? Well, how the fuck is BravoCon any different to that? You've got a bunch of childless 35-year-old white Karens self-medicating on cheap white wine. They're booing Lisa Rinna. They're screaming uncontrollably because Melissa Gorga walks past them like that's not normal it was all white women by the way which is just crazy given how much the online space of bravo is just dominated by endless conversations about racism and microaggressions like where is the diversity i was getting lectured before about lived experience because i said um uh, yeah i said i didn't believe uh, ebony about which we're going to get into that but i said i didn't believe ebony about something and someone went that's her experience how can you dare question that i'm like well sutton said that she experienced it being hard to be white in Beverly Hills. Is that true too? Like, no. So, to be lectured about all this race stuff for so long, then to look at BravoCon, and it's a sea of whiteness. I was like, really – so, my girl, Sarah Galley, we love Sarah Galley, shout out. She wrote another one of her iconic op-eds for The Daily Beast, uh, this one about Bravo Of course, she fucking did. Like, nothing can happen without her chiming in. And she wrote about how BravoCon is like a wellness retreat for self-care or some shit. Like, okay, sure. That's... Looks like a nightmare. I mean, I told you guys that I watched Hellraiser recently, right? Where they do the puzzle box and then they get taken into the hell dimension. That was Bravo Khan. But she writes about it being self-care and wellness and... I actually made a bet before I read the article, I was like, and I was wrong on this, which I can't believe, but I said, I bet there's going to be a line in this article about with the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade, it's more important than ever that we have safe spaces like Bravo Con, and like, she didn't do that, and I was like, wow, good for you, Sarah Galley, God. I was really waiting for that Roe v. Wade reference in there, but the photo for the article was like a photo collage graphic, and- it was this black woman in the middle, and she was, like, meditate, meditating, like, very zen. She had the, you know, the the finger meditation sign. And then behind her, like, much smaller are these sort of Bravo celebrities and, like, fans sort of behind her. And I'm like, where did this black woman come from? Because I didn't see any at BravoCon. I looked at a lot of... BravoCon photos, it was whiter than CPAC, okay? I've never seen that many white women together in my entire life. It was like Kate GoslingCon. It was not like – there was no diversity. It was crazy. And – Have you guys heard this story of Daryl Davis? It's, like, really iconic story about this guy. He's a black blues musician. I think it was, like, the 80s or the 90s, and he befriended members of the KKK so he could show them that, you know, their racism was misguided and that they probably, you know, had never been exposed to a black person before. So, he becomes friends with them, and he actually convinced, like, 200 members of the KKK. It's an amazing story. He convinces 200 members of the KKK to hang up their robes, to leave the clan and i just have to say there is more diversity with daryl davis sitting down to dinner with the kkk than there was at BravoCon. i mean i did not see a shred of diversity there okay i'm exaggerating a little bit there was a smidge and sarah galley managed to track down you know the three pocs at the convention you know i don't know how how hard she must have looked to find this um as I read the article and the the names of the people she interviewed was like Tayona and Muhammad. How did you find a Muhammad at BravoCon? I did not see any when I went through the pictures. Like Sarah Galley, she must have- Like, she must have blisters on her feet and a hernia from scouring BravoCon for some diversity. Like, she probably went for two days without eating or drinking, like, trying to find a person of colour in the crowd of Karens. And then it's, like, the third day, the sun is setting, the trucks have come to, like, start, you know, disassembling some of the stands to take it away. And then in the distance, she sees, you know, a brown person. Is this a mirage? Is this real? The best part of her article is that then they have a photo of the audience at BravoCon. It's just like 25 liberal white, like, wine mums shoulder-to-shoulder with their phones out trying to get a photo of Heather Gay. (laughs) But then the fucking banner image is this, like, (laughs) beautiful black woman meditating. (laughs) When Kathy Hilton came out, I'm surprised the fucking crowd didn't start chanting, white power, white power! I mean, maybe they did, who knows. We know about Kathy's beliefs, we know all about it. You guys love to turn a blind eye to that, don't you? So you can bring down Lee Serena. Anyway, here's what's really wrong with BravoCon. Shade aside, real talk, okay? These Bravo labs are treated like rock stars, right? You know, people were crying over them. The media was in a frenzy. Shannon Bador lost her voice because fans were, like, coming up to her all weekend going, oh, can you say, you know, this isn't my plate, you bitch? So she's screaming out her sort of her catchphrase all weekend, loses her voice. You cannot have a reality show where people are meant to authentically, you know, show you their lives and behave naturally and then also have the same people – come to a yearly now it's going to be a yearly thing uh a yearly convention where they're treated like a-list celebrities and they have to perform for thousands of people like an actor would or a performer like one of the panels they have and i i think this panel's actually disgusting i don't know why there's not like backlash really towards it but they get the women on stage and they just have to like argue with each other and like throw shade like it's so weird because You know, the show, originally, it's meant to be these women showing you their real lives and everything. Of course, there's drama. We, like, we love the drama. We watch it for the drama. But the whole thing isn't meant to be the drama. And when there is drama, it's supposed to be, like, a real thing that happened. And then, you know, it's a conflict. And then the conflict resolution, they work through it, you know, yada, yada, yada. But now you have them up on stage Acting out like fake fights, and they have to insult each other, and they're in front of a crowd that have paid like hundreds of dollars, if not thousands of dollars, probably for like some of the special VIP passes. That's not normal. Like, how can you be a normal reality star, but then also have one foot in this world? Like the whole BravoCon experience, it breaks the fourth wall to a point where we can't come back from this. At least as far as you know bravo being what it was like it's like you're seeing the man behind the curtain in the wizard of oz it's like oh so you mean all of this is fake and they're just like all playing survivor with each other and like they're coming up with one-liners because they want someone you know queens of bravo on instagram to make a meme out of it like that's what this is and of course we all know this it's not a revelation we've talked about it for many years like we're not stupid we get it but it's like There's no more, like, ignorance as bliss. There's no more thinking, oh, yeah, maybe it's kind of real. Like, we've seen behind the curtain. It's a pantomime. It's a pantomime. It's a performance. It's corny. The fans are corny, okay? Um, All the women on the show are just obsessed with being famous. Even the below-deck stews there, okay, they were treated like A-list stars, too, and it's like, these people are just, like you know, waitresses on a boat, and now they're, like, big stars at BravoCon with, like, people lining up to get their autograph. Um, And you can see why Dorinda's ego blew up out of control, or why Garcelle is, you know, as calculating as she is, or why Jackie Goldschneider now is, like, apparently she's friends with Teresa now. Tamara and Emily, who hated each other, apparently friends now. Like, The fame is too intoxicating for anybody to resist. Like, no wonder they're all obsessed with being on the show and will do anything to be on there and will make up storylines and fabricate their lives. You know, they're normal people who get to experience a level of fame and fandom as big as, you know, a pop star would. Garcelle's been working in Hollywood for decades and she's never been more famous or relevant than she is just from, you know, being a a fake B on a reality show. Like- it's why even same with Lisa Rinna, like Lisa Rinna's had a big career. She's never been more recognizable and known. I mean, even though she's hated, but you know what I mean? Like anyone would turn into a monster girl, put me on one of these shows. You think I wouldn't be doing all this fake shit by season three? Like I'm a very authentic person. I would go in thinking like, you know, I'm going to keep it real. You know, I'm not going to do anything, you know, horrible to people by season three. Of course i would be, you know, doing whatever fucking foul shit the rest of the women are doing. Like, I watched an episode of Salt Lake City the other day. I don't- I haven't really been watching this one consistently. Like, I sort of got, like, two weeks behind, and then I just put it on while I was at work. And they were having this lingerie party, and they were all screaming at each other. And most of it was just either, like, total acting or, like, attention-seeking to one-up each other. So, it was, like, Whitney was stomping around trying to have a moment. She's the worst actress. Like She was like, I'm sick of being used as... A... I can't even remember what she was upset about, honestly, but it was so fake. <laughs> Every time I say Whitney, I just think Tubi. like, you're in a Tubi original soap. Every time I say Whitney, because her acting is so shocking. She's such a bad actress. And then he comes out in an episode that... They've been spreading these horrific rumours about Lisa saying that, like, Lisa gives blowjobs to have her tequila brand stocked in bars. So, then Lisa starts crying. I think this was the most authentic reaction out of the whole episode, Um, even though Lisa's, like, weird and fake too. But Lisa's sort of destroyed and- She's basically like, are you guys happy, like, to do, like, are you guys happy now that you've done this for a TV show? Like, she didn't say that outright, but, like, that's what the implication was. Like, okay, I'm a married woman, and you're on TV saying that I'm blowing people to get my tequila stocked in bars. Like, it was so gross. And then Heather and Whitney are, like, screaming at each other because, like, they want to have a moment, so they get into some fight. And Heather's like, you lost me as a friend, bitch! And she, like, throws whitney or shoves whitney and then whitney's crying and screaming and then like jen shah out of nowhere starts screaming too because she's like starts crying about her court case i don't think there were any tears coming out it was just like you know she realized everyone there was turning up and having a moment so she needed to have a moment too so she does it and i'm like this is so just fake and like it was it was kind of entertaining like i'm not gonna it wasn't bad tv because it was like interesting to watch as well like there in array, there's lights set up around them like you know a, a well-lit studio there's a whole i mean i can't imagine how many people are behind the camera there's probably like multiple cameras sound guy producers like there's like, this whole team of people and then they're in front of these cameras like screaming at each other and making up lies about you know blowjobs for tequila and stuff and then They had a thing on The Housewives of Potomac as well where Giselle has just created this fake rumour that Candace's husband was, like, inappropriate towards her and was, like, trying to hit on her, which he clearly wasn't. And I think she actually conspired with Ashley because Ashley brought up something similar in a different scene and Candace kind of shut it down. But, like, she brings it up to Candace. And then they break the fourth wall because Candace just like looks at the camera and they showed this, like they put this in the episode, which made it so interesting. But she's just like, oh, this is, this is what we're doing. Like this is a thing now. Okay. So this is the storyline that my husband did this. All right. And then she like gets up. And storms off and she's like, I need to talk to, um, you know, Chris, who I think is like the executive producer. Not Chris, that's her husband. But she was like, I need to talk to so and so, whoever the executive producer is, cause like, we're not doing this shit. And it's just like, yeah, it's, it's all fake. And, um, to think that right now Lisa Rinner is like the most hated person on Bravo when all she did was reveal the truth about Kathy Hilton, which we, girl, we know this is true, okay? She had some unhinged meltdown. You guys want to, like, downplay it? Oh, everyone has a meltdown. Like, we know that she was saying, we know she definitely said the homophobic shit. We don't have confirmation of the other things. My guess this is my allegedly because i hate filling in. i hate doing the conspiracy theory bravo thing because you guys spread so much bullshit and lies but i think she said anti-semitic things about mauricio um we know that she was like i'm gonna destroy my sister yeah that's completely normal to be screaming and about how you want to like end your sister like what like that's so toxic and gross but anyway Rinna's the bad guy but like no one's that upset about like what Giselle's doing or this like demonic mudslinging on Salt Lake City like people aren't that riled up about it they're just like oh Potomac's good this season oh Salt Lake City's good this season but what they're doing is so much more foul than anything Lisa Rinna is doing but Lisa is getting like booed and like death it's just nothing makes sense um It's so dark. I think The Housewives is darker than it's ever been because we've got the whole criminal aspect of it too and, you know, women having to attack each other on a live stage in front of an audience of drunk white women and, like, whatever. I'm not trying to, like, moralise. Like, I watch UFC sometimes. I love UFC. If I had more time, I would probably watch it, like, consistently like follow like follow the fights and storylines on that and that's just people beating the shit out of each other until they're like you know there's blood everywhere like i enjoy it so i'm not gonna be like oh I, I would never watch people you know say mean things about like i say mean shit about people too like whatever i get it but we need to think of this shit as wwe now like for real like that's what lisa Rinna said when she was booed she's like oh i feel like a wwe villain. Yeah. This is WWE because it's not real. And even the real stuff isn't real because nobody, nobody in real life, unless you're actually a psychopath, like you actually have something wrong with you, no one in real life goes, Oh, I'm just going to like pretend that my girlfriend's husband like made advances on me just because I'm just going to like tell everyone. And yeah, let's just do that. Like no one would do that. They're doing, because they're on a TV show. So even though it's, they're not following a script that's not real. Um, and the environment on these shows just – it just manipulates people to do this. Like I was saying, like, I would – bitch, I would be doing this by season three, 2 I would come on. Oh, I'm not going to make up foul stuff because I don't do that in real life. Like, if I have a situation where I fall out with people, like, yes, I'll throw shade. Yes, I, like, make fun of Sarah Galley and stuff. But, like, if it's, like, a real beef, like, with a friend or something, like, I block – I just block and remove myself from – I disengage. Like, that's what – girl, look at Meredith Marks. Season one, I'm disengaging from negative behaviour. Season three, oh, I heard Lisa's giving blowjobs and cheating on her husband and, like, has financial. Like, you know what I mean? Like, the, they can't help it because it's like a darkness that sucks them in. It's just so different now. Um, I wonder if comic book fans feel this way too. Like, marvel used to be it was like a thing like nerds that they just read comic books and then it becomes like this whole franchise and it just becomes a whole different thing or even like uh wwe wrestling like because i was saying we need to think of this like wwe i grew up on you know wwf uh wcw ecw i loved it as a kid and it was like so different back then and i just got a ps5 and i've been playing um wwe 2k 22 the newest one and like I don't know any of the new wrestlers on it. Um, so I just buy all the old people like China and Booker T and Rob Van Dam and Stone Cold Steve Austin, you know, and I just sort of play Trish Stratus and I like play as them. But I've been I've been looking up wrestling stuff again because it's just put me in the mood for it. And I was looking up old WWE clips and then I was looking up new stuff and like before it was just like a whole different show and it was for adults and one of the – the big differences that I noticed was the old WWE, like they always stayed in character. Like they would go on a tour, like they'll go on Conan O'Brien, like Stone Cold Steve Austin on Conan O'Brien and he's in character. It's called kayfabe. It's like a wrestling thing. Like they never broke character and they continued the storylines. And now, it's so different. not only is it very sanitized now and it's like aimed at children because you know before wwe it was so sexualized it was so politically incorrect it was quite violent it was the humor was like really like they had a lot of weird fucking jokes too that are just hilarious but just sort of like off the wall stuff and now it's like so slick and polished like how bravo is now it's so slick it's so commercial now it's completely aimed at children all of the wrestlers are like dressed like superheroes like you look at the women's division and you know when i used to watch it they definitely had more like tits and ass and stuff and now they're dressed like they're in you know the avengers and um they do break character because which which changes it a lot like i was looking at a clip a wrestlemania clip i think it was and it was um Bianca Belair and I think Sasha Banks and I believe that they were like the first I think they were the first two black women to like maybe like headline Wrestlemania or to fight at Wrestlemania something like that and at the start of the match they looked at each other and the commentators acknowledged it and they were sort of, like, trying to hold back tears and they were smiling at each other of, like, wow, you know, we really made it as, like, black women here, which, like, that is amazing because, you know, the wrestling that I always liked growing up, I always loved the heels, obviously, like the villains, and I loved, like, the mid carters And the mid carters actually was more diverse. It was, like, a lot of Asian wrestlers and it wasn't the people that would like the people that made it made it to the big leagues were like usually white they were usually you know like 6 foot 8 a big powerhouse type like it was a very generic kind of person for the most part that made it to those big leagues like you know it was a stone cold steve austin like you know or the undertaker those types and then you would have all these super super talented mid carders that you know they may be latin black um asian whatever and they're like they wrestle so much better than Stone Cold Steve Austin. They do have charisma and stuff, but they, like, wouldn't get a chance in those big leagues. I love now that wrestling is – it's very cool when I look at the diversity in there and that you have, like, women headlining matches and, you know, all kinds of people love that. But um, the way they broke the fourth wall in that moment of acknowledging, oh, yes, we're two black women having this match and the commentators acknowledging it, and I'm like – well, this is taking me out of the fantasy because instead of following the soapy storyline of like your feud, I'm seeing you girls have a moment of like recognizing each other and like acknowledging that like this is all fake. Whereas when I was growing up, if a wrestler went on, even Conan O'Brien and stuff, like I said, they would still be in character. And that's kind of like the, the, um, housewives going to bravo con and like you know doing fake fights and talking about all the behind the scenes stuff on these panels like yeah like now we know it's all fake like i know that the wwe the wrestlers now they have these reality shows i don't watch them like the bellas and stuff but i've seen like some of the clips and they just follow their real lives, I believe, on these shows for the most part. Cause I saw one, I think it was um was it's her name Maurice. It was like some blonde girl. If you know wrestling, you'll know. Some couple, and then they're talk like they're just it's following their lives as a couple, and then she's like thinking about returning to wrestling, and then she goes back into character and I was also looking up, you know, this Becky Lynch, who I didn't know about her, but apparently Becky Lynch is like the most popular one of the most popular, you know, wrestling people ever. And I recognized her from the game, the PS5 game I've been playing. And I'm like, really? Like her? Like she's like the, she's the big star. Okay. And I was sort of like YouTubing her like, oh, what's so special about Becky Lynch? And I was like looking at some promos she cut in the ring. And they were just like, she would just talk about like, oh, what this means for the women's division and stuff. So instead of like a storyline, it's just like more, what this is for wrestling and representation and like women on top and stuff. And I don't know, it's just breaking the fourth wall in a way that like, I feel like Bravo has done too. And I guess you have to do it at some point because you can't like keep trying to fool people forever. Like maybe it would be corny if you didn't do it, but it's just not the fucking same things change. You know, back in the day we all watched, you know, my parents, my mom, she watched, you know, young and the restless and the bold and the beautiful. And, uh, days of our lives and that was the hot thing and then we all watched the hills and jersey shore on mtv then that kind of was over and then we've had the bravo era our bravo's become something um completely different and you know 90 day 90 day has changed a lot that's so different from from what it started out as and um yeah it's not the same and it's definitely why i'm not as passionate now because it's just not as interesting um and yeah, why well, I don't talk about as Bravo as much as before. And it's like just corny. Like when I saw the people, when I saw the people at BravoCon, I'm like, wow, this shit is corny. Like it was kind of like, there was something a little more interesting and smarter and cooler about it before. This shit is corny. Oh my God. Those fucking BravoCon, like it's everyone is Sarah Galley. Every Bra- Bravo fan is just Sarah. It's a thousand, a million Sarah galleys. No shade to Sarah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not trying to like beat up on her but she's just like the perfect she just represents what this thing is now um but anyway like i was saying i'm not that into bravo but i have another bravo topic because ebony versus ramona we're still talking about this a year later i can't or is it two feels like longer than a year maybe it's been two years fuck i don't it's been a long fucking time and ebony and ramona is still a, a topic of conversation but this is it for them because I'm so over I'm so over this like Roni thing like the show's been canceled now we all need to move on but let me tell you what happened So Ramona went on Carlos King's podcast to discuss what went down on Roni last year you know with like all of the behind the scenes shit and with the show ending and stuff uh and she was actually pretty nice about Ebony, which is funny. Like, it didn't seem that insincere. It seemed more like she was trying to be mature about it, uh, which is so different to Ebony. Ebony was just, Ebony did a response podcast and was just, like, so mean and was like, you know, Ramona needs money. She needs a check. It's like, Ramona's 65. She's at retirement age. She's done very well for herself. She can live comfortably. Unlike you, she doesn't need to come out here, like, desperate for a moment to try get booked on a TV show because uh, she's done very well for herself. Herself and she's living her best life. But anyway, she was nice about Ebony. And she said that Ebony put in this racism complaint that we all know about, you know, Ebony ran to HR because... I'm sure this is not the first time Ebony has been to HR. Ebony strikes me as the kind of uh, person at work that probably goes to HR once a week. Uh, we all knew about this. It was investigated. They didn't find Ramona guilty of, you know, doing what she was accused of in this complaint. And even though she wasn't guilty, or they they found it inconclusive, so they just didn't find the evidence to, to prove the, the claims against Ramona. It just caused this huge delay, and then they ended up calling off the reunion for the first time in Housewives history. And then they went and just fired everybody and they're rebooting the show with the new cast and they're talking about doing this other legacy spin-off with the ogs but who even knows if that's even going to happen or what you know in what shape that will take ramona said that it cost her a lot of money obviously because she would make a lot from doing the reunion and then she was on i think like about a million dollars for per season of roni so it cost her that money too and And now she's over it anyway. She doesn't even want to do that Roni Legacy, Um, which is true because I've been hearing ever since Legacy was announced, I have heard consistently from many different people that Ramona couldn't give a fuck and she's not interested in it and she's living her best life away from the show. And unless they're going to pay her a lot of money, she's not going to do it. She's certainly not going to do it for like peanuts just to be back on TV like, you know, Dorinda and Jill would. She's all about the money. Um, okay, so Ebony then fired back with her own podcast, which we knew that she would because you know, she's always trying to find an excuse to talk about Rony, and, you know, she should give her side, which she did. And it was painful. Um, she also went on Richie Sky's YouTube show to talk about it. She's probably done like 10 other podcasts since I've recorded this even um, because no one talks to the press more than Ebony. Like I'll never forget her campaigning via the press uh, to get on The View. Remember, she did like one guest spot on The View and then she would like call TMZ and make them ask her about the view. And she would be like, I think I'll be a great addition on the show. And, yeah, as, as if ABC wants that. Like, that's when they're trying to fill the conservative chair. And it's, like, a very coveted position that a lot of people want. And Ebony's, like, you know, out the front of fucking Craig's and um, the Ivy and stuff with, like, TMZ trying to, like, campaign for it. So embarrassing. Um, I thought I was going to come on here and like, break down the interview with a fine-tooth comb and, you know, point out every little inconsistency, but I don't know. Like, who cares? Like, the sh- the show was cancelled. The show's can it It's gone. Like, Ebony's the worst housewife of all time, um... All this shit is from a year ago. Everything you could say about Ebony, like I've definitely said on this podcast over the last year or two, she'll never be a housewife again. She'll never be on The View. uh, That show she did with Colton from The Bachelor flopped. She's got a podcast that nobody listens to. The only reason that made any noise this week is because she talked about Ramona, and then it's going to go back to getting four downloads a week. She loves to go on and on about you know, I just present the facts, I'm all about the facts, this is a fact, you know, because she has her legal background, but it's like, was it a fact when you misquoted Luann and said Luann called you an angry black woman? That was a lie, and you actually did that on purpose, and you knew what you were doing, so you're actually not always about the facts. She also tried to get Ramona on a microaggression, which is so stupid, because Ramona... Ramona said something to Carlos King about, oh, I was playing polo and she kind of briefly explained what polo is. And Ebony's like, well, she wouldn't have explained what polo is to Andy because he's white. So she clearly thinks that black people can't afford to play polo, you know, whatever. Like, microaggressions are not facts. It's you projecting your own perception onto something because it's what you feel, okay? um, The meat of the issue... Between Ebony and Ramona, right now, it's really after the fight in the Hamptons where Ebony brought up race because she was like, "You're white fragility, Ramona," and then she lied about Luann. Said Luann called me an angry black woman, which never happened. Um, she was screaming and she said, "You're angry," and then she said, "Oh, so I'm an angry black woman," and that's what she relayed back to the other women on the cast. Um. You know, she made that whole conversation about race. She did Ebony. No one else did. Then she spun it around to victimise herself so that other women would look bad, um, which is what she tried to do the entire season, remember? Um oh, I need to know if you voted for Trump, if there's white supremacy in this group. Meanwhile, Ebony's own mother was a Trump supporter and she worked at Fox News, but... Now she's worried that there's Trumpers. She can't be around them if they voted for Trump, but your own mother votes for Trump and you're cool with your own mother. Okay, girl. You're friends with Kimberly Guilfoyle, but you're worried about being around, like, Luann. Girl, stop. Ebony, honestly, Ebony is probably the most conservative woman I've ever seen on Bravo. Like, she's just, like, she just trots around like a buttoned-up church lady from, you know, another time. She's so old-fashioned. Like, and she complains to HR like a Karen. It's not just Bravo Con with the Karens. Ebony's a Karen too. She's a conservative Karen from the South. I felt like I had PTSD just listening to her podcast. She's so painful to listen to. I'm sorry if you want to call that a microaggression. Unbearable listening to her. It's painful because you just feel like... You're being lectured to in this like. Can I speak to the manager? Tone like she talks like I need to speak to the manager at all times, and you just feel like you're being bombarded with it. She has the she has the worst personality traits of Bethany and Luann, but, like, none of the good parts that balance those two out. So it's kind of like she's this raging narcissistic egomaniac like Luann is, but, you know, Luann is also kind of, like, cool and sexy and has that sort of, like, laid-back side when she lets loose, and it's, like, quite charming. Ebony doesn't have that. Ebony's, like, so tightly wound at all times. She's so serious. Like, even when she tries to be funny and tries to come off like she's having a good time, it feels, like, so put on like it's like she doesn't even show you that she's in a good mood it's like she tells you like aren't i fun i'm having fun i'm ready to have fun like girl you're not having fun you're just like yelling at me um you're lecturing me about how fun you are and then she also has like bethany's know-it-all self-righteousness but without any of that kind of like wit that acerbic wit that like makes bethany kind of enjoyable so even when bethany is being awful which you know we dragged bethany here last week but she's also like funny so she can get away with more shit than other people like ebony's not funny like ebony is just like humorless um anyway i'm off track so the issues about the fight in the hamptons and it was claimed that ramona said um this is why we can't have black people on the show the comment um that's the comment that was investigated and they couldn't find evidence of it so they put it to bed ebony didn't even hear the comment um from what I can gather. She didn't hear it. I think that it was actually Heather Thompson because Heather Thompson said that comment in a Page Six article. So, I think Heather Thompson told that to Ebony and, um, you know, Heather claims that, yeah, she heard that. Look, that's pretty funny because for Ebony to act like Heather is now a credible source when during the show, Ebony made out like Heather did microaggressions too. Remember when um, Heather said that she was articulate? So, Ebony actually tried to paint out Heather as being problematic. And she also took uh, Leah's side when Leah was going at it with Heather. And remember the audience, I think I was the only person that was team Leah. Everyone else was team Heather. And Ebony took, yeah, me and me and Ebony were the only people on Leah's side. Um, so you treated Heather like a clown last year, but now we love Heather. And now Heather's a credible source. Okay, girl. Here's the thing. Ramona probably did say some version of that comment. Uh, it may not be as blatant as um, Ebony's presenting it. Like, it may not have been, like, specifically, this is why we can't have black people on the show, but it could have been something with that kind of sentiment. If she said that... um Ramona did say it after Ebony brought up, you know, Ramona's white fragility and then misquoted Luann, basically lying that Luann called her an angry black woman. So, you know, that's the context. And then fast forward a year later and Roni's been cancelled and rebooted with a new cast because racial tensions were so high that the network couldn't even find a way to move ahead or risk having a delayed reunion because we all know that Ebony would have got up there and then it would have just been a race war basically. And they were like, we would rather like cancel the entire show than even risk filming this. So this is what I've said about mixing races in the past. I've obviously covered this a lot Um, on the show. You know, I'm not for segregation. It's you guys are because you guys can't handle races mixing together. It's not the women that are the issue. It's really the fans. It's the American fans. Let's be clear because, the rest of the world is not brainwashed like Americans are. They cannot handle it. They are not mentally equipped to be able to see people of different races having conflict. They cannot look at it without seeing everything as through, through a racial lens, basically like, like, You have to remember, America has a very toxic, divided media system, like, on both sides, like, liberal and conservative. Like, they just drive division between the two political factions, and then, you know, America obviously has this whole, you know, traumatic racial history, which has never been fully resolved, so there's a lot of, like, trauma carried through from that. So, Americans have, like, all of this baggage and brainwashing to deal with, and then – you know, you put on what should be a harmless reality show and they just, they mentally, they're not equipped to be able to watch it without politicising it. Like, they can't. Like, I watched, um, I think I mentioned this last week, right, that I watched that Blade Runner uh, 2049, which was actually incredible. It was amazing. And I'd put off watching that because... I remember the view, the reviews of it came out and there was a lot of focus about it being like about climate change and stuff. And I thought, oh God, have they taken this, you know, masterpiece Blade Runner and turned it into some woke, like climate change lecture. And then I watched the movie recently, like, yeah, I think there's some, like, subtle climate change themes, but it's certainly not some, it's, you're not being lectured to or anything, but it's like, Americans, okay, they can't judge art without it being political, so instead of, like, talking about the merits of Blade Runner 2049, it's like, we have to make the article all about climate change, okay, so then I think, oh my god, but, like, that's just an American thing, it's the same thing with watching The Housewives, we can't watch an interaction without politicising it, is she a Trump supporter, is this a micro- aggression etc etc um so the fans are racializing every single incident on the show that goes viral on social media the mainstream news picks it up because the news gets all of their news now from like whatever's trending on twitter and then that seeps into the shows it seeps into the women and then the women start mimicking what they're seeing on social media because you know there's this whole fucking this meme meme account fan account thing that i talk about a lot on here podcast system and you know bravo conness of it all so then that starts affecting how they behave like look at crystal and garcelle on beverly hills okay i do not think that they signed up for the show wanting to make things about race and microaggressions i mean crystal did it on her first season but i think that was completely legitimate against sutton when she said are you that girl because sutton was being a fucking lunatic again with sutton having a meltdown about being a making it about herself too, which is a problem that Sutton clearly has on the show, where everything is about Dorit's robbery. Oh, it's about me. Um, you know, being a minority. Oh, well, it's hard being white too. You know, so that was justified. But it's like I do not think that Garcelle and Crystal were signing up to the show to do that. But then the fans and the media get in and change them. It's the same way that Meredith went from disengaging to saying Lisa's giving blowjobs for tequila sales. And the difference between Ebony and then, like, the Crystals and Garcelles of the world world and the others is that, Ebony did come in with that clear agenda. She's one of the few people that came in knowing exactly what she was doing. Everyone else I look at as like a, Vic, even Garcelle who I'm critical of and now Crystal who has sort of jumped the shark by that reunion and stuff. I'm like, I get it. I get how they've been affected by this, but like Ebony came in with that news background, knowing exactly what she was doing coming in. Her first scene was wearing the Central Park Five shirt. So you're making a political statement in your opening scene on The Housewives, and then you bring race and politics into everything. You try to force Ramona to talk about Kamala Harris on camera, when, by the way, there is no way Ebony likes Kamala Harris. I mean, no one likes Kamala Harris anymore, but, like, Ebony is just, like, Ebony's some, like, fiscally conservative Basically, she's a Republican. She's an old-school Republican, okay? She's not, like – she's not fucking a member of the squad, all right? So, I don't think she even likes Kamala Harris. And there was just way too many inconsistencies with, like, okay, your family's a, your family supports Trump. You worked at Fox News, but now you – like are worried that the women on the show support Trump, and you. She also was like, "Well, if you support Trump for his um, economics, that's fine." It's like, what are you doing? Like, what are you even fucking talking about? She excluded Bashan. Remember that she excluded Bashawn, the only other black woman on the show who most of the fans loved because Bashan understood the assignment and was actually like pretty good on the show. Um, she wanted to be ebony wanted to be the only black woman on that cast because she was seeing it as her platform to like you know, this is going to lead to me like getting on The View and like having all of this like cultural power and it's going to like make my career. So she wanted Bashawn out of there so she could be the only girl. She wanted to ride that BLM wave. She wanted to use the racial movement and the BLM movement to be able to make everyone else on the show look like a fucking, you know, Trump supporting KKK member so she would look good. She wanted to run the other girls out so it would be like her and Leah and like the new younger housewife. She wanted Ramona out of there. She would have Sonia, because Sonia sort of fell in line and was, like, right up her ass, Um, she did not take Heather Thompson's side, because even though Heather Thompson is super woke and, you know, progressive, whatever... Heather Thompson was not a full-time cast member on the show. So, like, to Ebony, it's like, well, you don't have any use for me. Like, I'm not going to side with the friend of the show who I know is, like, not going to be here for a long time. You know, at that time, Leah was heralded. It was, you know, considered the future of Roni because Leah's first season was, like, the most popular rookie season anyone had ever had before. So, she gets in with Leah and it's like, yeah, I'm going to have this new young cast and get rid of the old guard and use BLM to do it. And she's just a fucking grifter, which most people in cable news are. They're all liars. That's why they get that's why they get hired to work in cable news, because they will say whatever propaganda comes across the desk. Um she's very manipulative. Just in her podcast, she was twisting things and also dog whistling a lot to, you know, the woke fans to rile them up over racial stuff. Like, she kept stressing that the Bravo investigation on Ramona was inconclusive, so she kept trying to, like, imply, like, well, Ramona could have said it, they just didn't get the evidence to say it. Girl, they investigated it. They did not find that she said what you said that she said- what you said that she said, okay. Um, she brought up two other incidents which none of us have ever heard about publicly, and there's no way to verify these other ones, so we can only go off what Ebony is saying. Like, um, she brought up the polo comment about Carlos King. That's like a dog whistle because it's like, okay, you're trying to just make you're trying to find a racial comment that was not there. Um she said the cast had an all-white group chat, okay? So she's like the all-white group chat, but then she says, well, I was never actually friends with the women either and I didn't know them like before I signed up for the show. So I totally get why I wouldn't be friends with them. So it's like, okay, so you understand why you wouldn't be in the group chat. But then you're also referring to it as the all-white group chat because that's your subtle way of putting out there like, oh, I wasn't in the group chat because I was black, even though you just admitted in the next sentence you weren't in the group chat because you weren't actually friends with them. By the way, she totally leaked that story that came out to the media at the time. In my opinion, allegedly, I believe, Ebony or someone close to Ebony was behind that story in page six that all the women left when Ebony showed up. And that story had a racial undertone to it because even though we know that they all left because none of them were getting along with ebony because she's just the worst ever she wanted that to be implied that they were icing out the only black woman on the cast because of racial issues that's what they wanted to imply um one accusation she made was that ramona used the n-word to a black executive producer on the show here's the thing it's very hard to believe ebony's version of events or at least you know the way she's framed it it's hard to to believe that when you consider all of the stuff that went down at the height of Bravo sacking everybody for problematic behaviour because, like, Stacy Kristen, Max, Brett, Leanne Locken, Kelly Dodd, Jenny Nguyen, there was a guy from Below Deck, so many people got fired, and now we have to believe that Ramona, who was, like, 63 years old at the time, kind of aging out of Roni, people kept being like, is this her last season, is this her last season? We have to believe that suddenly she's being protected by Bravo um, after saying that black people can't be on Roni after allegedly, like, using the N-word. There was some other incident that Ebony claims that she was investigated over. So it's, like, three investigations. Um, I think she said things on social media. I remember I think she said all lives matter. So there's, like, all of these things. It's the height of BLM. Others were fired for less, but now we have to believe that Ramona was somehow, like that Ramona would be protected over everybody else. Like, I don't think that Ebony's outright lying, but I think that she presents things in a way – um, to suit her own agenda, like what when she took what luann said and said, well, she called me an angry black woman. It's like no, she actually didn't say that, and there was other things she twisted in that scene too. Like she tried to say that she wasn't angry; she was yelling in that. It's like go look at the scene; she was yelling, as housewives do—they yell at each other. But like she was yelling, she was getting the her voice was escalating a lot. She said something I don't remember it verbatim, but it was like, well you know, when Leah freaked out, nobody said anything, but when I do, I'm angry. It's like, they actually did say something about Leah freaking out. Like they actually, they gave Leah, they gave Leah a way harder time in Leah's first season than they gave Ebony. They actually bent over most of them to accommodate Ebony. Ramona, who's never nice to anyone new, was up uh, up Ebony's ass. Of course, Ramona was doing it strategically because she wanted to, you know, People kept saying Ramona was racist, so she wanted- Like, we know that, but Sonya did that too. That's why Sonya was, like, her friend as well. They gave Ebony a pretty good time on that show compared to other girls that have come in new, okay? Compared to fucking Heather Thompson, who walked into, you know, a, an ambush, basically. Um, You know, Leah, who was put through hell from Ramona and the others. So, you know, whatever, girl. Like, you are not ostracized. You just love to twist things to be a victim and to make everyone look- Racist. Um, I think we're all done with Ebony now. Honestly, like Ramona's clearly moved on. Ramona does not do interviews. Like Ramona talk. I mean, Ebony talks about Roni all the time. Like the interviews that if you look at some of Ebony's interviews, they're so like they sound like a Bravo podcaster. Like they sound like the loser fans that would go to BravoCon because she is. She's a super fan. She's like obsessed with it. Um, Ramona Bailey even talks about the show that much. That Carlos King interview was sort of a rare um no holds barred chat and i totally believe that she isn't really that keen to come back to the show she sort of sounds like she's over it you know ebony's never coming back on the network there's no way that bravo likes her i'm surprised they even invited her to bravo even though it was just for like one day to like one minor panel that nobody even showed up for but like the show is being rebooted there's a new cast we're done um whatever the truth is Whatever the truth is, you know, at the end of the day, Roni's over. Um, it was at one point the funniest, best show on TV, and now it's over. And, yes, Ebony is a big part of the reason that it's over. Now, it's not all of her fault, if you want to get technical. There was COVID. There was Dorinda, you know, losing her shit and having to go on pause. There was Tinsley and Bethany both quitting, who were, like, you know, good, strong cast members. There was a lot of factors, for sure, and it was, like, building. It was, like, one thing after the other. It was, like, all the cards were stacked against Roni, but Ebony was the final nail in the coffin. She definitely put Roni to bed. And if Bashan had been added as the full-time first black housewife to Roni and not Ebony, we would still have Roni on TV today with a lot of the OGs and there would not be a reboot, period. If Bashan had been the full-time housewife, we wouldn't have had all of this race war stuff. And even though, you know, it wasn't going to be the best season because- um, you know, Dorinda was gone and there was COVID and there were filming restrictions and stuff like the show would have survived like OC has. Okay. And they wouldn't have made it work. Um, So no matter how much Ebony wants to play spin doctor and try and act like shit not Ruin Roni and shift the blame, like, yes, girl, you did. You were the final nail in the coffin. You killed the show. And that's all you're going to be remembered for from every Bravo fan. Now is going to remember you as the girl that ruined their favorite show. It was the fan favorite show of most, most Bravo fans. You ruined it. You know, people tried to pin it on Leah. Oh, Leah ruined- Girl, you know that Leah did not ruin Roni. You all know that Leah got a lot of the fucking blame because no one wanted to say that Ebony was bad and a bad hire for Roni. So they put it on the next easiest target, which was Leah. Leah's about to do Ultimate Girls Trip. You know, she will redeem herself because the thing with fans as well is like- They remember the last thing they saw from you, so, you know, that's going to be a really fun, entertaining season. People are going to go, oh, Leah really does, like, bring a lot. Like, oh, they should have added her to the reboot. Like, people are going to say that, but when they think of Ebony, they're going to be like, Ebony was the girl that ruined Roni, and that's all she's ever going to be. So, I'm done. You know who else I'm over? Meghan Markle. She did a new interview and I didn't even read it. I saw the magazine came out. It was like, I think it was Variety. They said, you know, the Markle moment. And It's like, the the, the the Meghan Markle moment actually was like two years ago and it's kind of past now. Like, it's over. I don't know why you're still trying to like ride this train. We're done. Everything good you could possibly say about Meghan Markle and everything bad you could possibly say about Meghan Markle has been said. Like, there's nothing... There's nothing else there, and I really think that the Queen's death uh, put everything into perspective, and you see how insignificant Meghan Markle really is in the grand scheme of things. Like, with the Queen dying, you see how much, like, history is behind her, the political history and the cultural history, and... uh, What an impact she's had just overall on the monarchy, and it's just, like, really interesting going back and reading about it. Like, good and bad. Like, I know a lot of people hate her, and they're like, you know, the colonialism, whatever. Okay, fine, you talk about the colonialism, but there's just, like, so much there. And then you look at Meghan Markle- by comparison, and it's like, oh, you're just, like, some f- fucking, like, lame actress that, like, married well and, you know, another another one of these sort of fake media creations from the sort of, like, woke media that made you think someone was something that they're not, like, another Ebony, you know, like, you ride this wave and you get all of this kind of, like, undeserved positive attention and then we find out, oh, wait, you're actually, like, full of shit and you're just, like, a total grifter, you know who else got exposed, this was so funny another fake Native American. It's not just Elizabeth Warren, you know. Um, Sa- I don't know how to pronounce her name. Sasheen Littlefeather. Okay. She's the Native American woman from that iconic Oscars clip where most of you should have seen this. If you know your, like, pop culture history, you should know this. And if you don't know this moment, shame on you. So, Marlon Brando won an Oscar for some, whatever, I can't even remember what the movie was. He won an Oscar and then instead of accepting it, he had, um, you know, Little Feather, the Native American, very pretty woman, come up and accept it on his behalf and she sort of gave a political speech about, you know, look what you're doing to the Native American people, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. And it was very controversial at the time and I think like John Wayne wanted to hit her, which is insane. Like, oh, I need to look more into John Wayne. I mean, I never really paid that much attention to him but the fact he would want to like get up and hit a native american woman for uh you know g- giving a-, a speech about some of the things that happened to the native american people is like crazy to me but anyway the whole point is she wasn't even native american it was fake. So <laughs> they exposed it like in the washington post like her family members came back and then the newspaper went and um traced it was the san francisco chronicle sorry so her sisters came out her name was deb it wasn't Sasheen little feather her name was deb and the family was either white or mexican like they looked into the family record so it was fake so she and she made up this like fake upbringing that she had an abusive <laughs> an abusive childhood that didn't happen and then pretended to be native american and then i think she was an aspiring actress or she was an actress and uh somehow became friends with marlon brando and she used you know the woke political issues of the time which i guess was native american issues she used that to like worm her way into this scene into marlon brando like one of the biggest actors of all time into his inner circle to the point that he let her accept his academy award and like give a speech and it was fake okay so sometimes we think without knowing uh history we kind of think like oh it's all just the wokeness is out of control now and it's like no like this stuff has always happened like it's always happened there's been Meghan markles before there's been ebony's you know they come and go a lot of people in the public eye are liars donald trump is a liar like obviously do i have to say you know i'm just saying that because people like to put me in one camp or the other (laughs) <laughs> but they're all fucking full of shit so i loved that story i thought it was very funny um to see that you know <laughs> this stuff's been happening for a long time uh Oh, before I forget, another thing that I actually wanted to talk about, it's very on topic because, you know, before I was saying about how Americans are so, you know, completely obsessed with with politics and they can't function without politicizing everything and like racial, you know, turning everything into a race war. And then we're talking about Karens too, the Karens at BravoCon, Ebony being a Karen. There's a Karen on TikTok that has been trying to cancel uh, Heather McDonald from the Juicy Scoop podcast for the last week or two. This is so cringy. Some of you guys sent it to me and then I I heard um, Heather talk about it and I can't with this woman. It's so embarrassing. So it's another one of these, you know, white women with an iPhone that are trying to be TikTok creators by, you know, complaining about Republicans and, you know, Bethany Frankel and stuff. So uh, (laughs) where do we begin with this fucking woman? This woman is everything you would expect. It's like posts about Republicans, posts about, you know, COVID and hashtag still wear a mask, hashtag the pandemic isn't over, like all the cliches you could think of. She did a video called, um, is it fair to judge someone for being a Republican? Of course, her answer is yes. And, you know, she brings up like abortion and, and stuff like that. She's very condescending too. she has the the ebony gene. Um I can't stand the the whole American thing of smug Democrats thinking they can judge Republicans because I always think of it like this: say, for argument's sake, that the Republicans are worse than Democrats. I mean, they're both pretty fucking bad. I go back and forth. You know, sometimes I'm like, oh god, you know, I would I would side with the Republicans on this one, and other times I'm like, no, the Democrats or Republicans have lost it. I definitely go back and forth. But say that, um, say the Republicans are worse. It doesn't make the Democrats good. So, it's like, okay, you've got a murderer on one side, which is the Republicans, and you have a rapist on the other side. Like, you're still siding with the rapist if you're for the Democrats. I don't know why you get to have this, like, smug um, superiority over everyone else just because you're supporting the Democrats. Uh it's just so fucking ignorant too to act like the Democrats are so virtuous. I mean, all of the information's there about the shit that they do and how corrupt they are and how similar they are to the Republicans on so many issues. And then um, you know, the argument you'll confront the the Dem people with this argument and you'll go, Well, they're really bad too, and they're like, Yeah, I know, but we're in a two party system and it's it's the lesser of two evils, and um, you know, we have to vote this way. It's like, well, okay. If that's the way you think. Well, you don't get to judge the Republicans for it as well because you're still voting for evil either way. And then secondly, you know, like why don't you support a third party or someone more progressive because if you acknowledge that the democrats are bad as well and that they have all these terrible policies too like why don't you go for like the more progressive one oh that that doesn't work like no one votes third party well not with that attitude like i mean if you're just gonna like fall in line and not try and change anything and go on tiktok and make tiktoks about how bad the republicans are of course nothing's gonna change uh also these fucking people the really smug fucking you know vote blue no matter who Dems they will judge republicans for everything but then the second that there's any like remotely progressive democrat coming through that like wants like health care and to you know defund the military and stuff they will just go over time to just uh, destroy them they'll go harder at like lefty progressives than they will at the republicans but then they want to judge you for not being left enough if you're a republican but then they themselves will destroy the left like they're, they're just the biggest hypocrites and like so disgusting and that's what this woman is with those stupid videos and then. And she does a whole video about, like, you know, why it's okay, why we should cancel Heather McDonald and, like, why Heather McDonald's, like, so problematic. The shit that she comes up with to, like, come at Heather, this is so corny that you would even take time to make a fucking TikTok about it. Like, Heather McDonald's literally just some, like cool like like just like a fun like a funny mom she's like a funny mum. like she's so harmless and this chick is on tiktok okay so one point she raises she's a republican like, and like <laughs> again we just we just did this argument before okay so who cares if she's a republican i mean she's not a trumper i've look i've listened to heather for many years and she's sort of known for not talking about politics which was, you know, so refreshing when at a time when, like, you couldn't listen to any American content creator during the the Trump presidency without it being about Donald Trump. So, it was actually nice to listen to something that's not – especially for – you know, there's a world outside of America. So, some of us actually don't want to hear about Donald Trump 24-7. Thanks. And I always assume that she's just – I never thought that Heather McDonald would be a Trump supporter because he's, like, too chaotic for her. She's into, like, the sensible, like, you know, like, 80s-style, like, old-school Republicans that are, like, well, you know, we're very sensible and, like, fiscally conservative and, like, tough on crime. Like, that's all she really cares about. So I'm like, well she probably liked Joe Biden. I mean, I'm sure she thinks Joe Biden has like fucking dementia as we all do now, but like, you know, she probably liked Joe Biden over Trump cuz she's like, "Oh, well he seems like more sense." Like she would just be attracted to that. She's not like some, you know, like QAnon person or so whatever. Yeah, okay, she's a Republican who gives a shit. Um and then this this TikTok Karen, her name's Megan. Um Megan comes up and she tries to, she brings up a video from like five years ago of Heather McDonald on Fox News, uh, talking about how like, late night lefty comedians are like obsessed with Trump and they politicize everything. Yeah, it's all true. And like Megan's acting like this is so heinous that she would go on Fox News. First of all, I remember actually when Heather did this interview, because like I said, I've been listening to Heather from the beginning and I remember Heather at this time, and this was when Juicy Scoop wasn't that big. I remember the people in Heather's Facebook group, which I used to be in before I got banned for attacking um Kathy Griffin. <laughs> but anyway, um, they were all, you know, how could you go on Fox News? And like carrying on and like losing it and i'm like guys she isn't at chelsea lately anymore okay she's not on e she started this podcast she wants to promote a fucking podcast i'm sure she would go on like cnn and msnbc as well if they asked her she would go on any tv show like The podcast was not that big at that point. Like, it's huge now. But um. so, yeah, let her go on fucking Fox News and promote a fucking podcast if she wants. And all the lefty comedians on late night TV, all they did was talk about politics and Trump. It was so annoying. Like, it was so full-on with the trump derangement syndrome in the media like you couldn't read like a review like i would open up um you know indie wire or whatever oh let me read this like movie review and then like the first line in an age when trump is banning muslims it's like oh my god i just want to know if i should watch the new season of lovers blind like i don't need to hear about trump then um This woman, yes, Heather was completely right about all of that. Um, Oh, now she's mocking Heather for being a Catholic, saying Jesus is her co-pilot. Okay, so you're mocking her religion, whatever. Um, And carrying on about Heather being a Catholic and how she's a Catholic, that must mean that she's – pro-life and you know heather needs to come out and say that she's pro-choice or else you know this this tiktok karen is going to judge her look i'm pro-choice as well i always assumed that heather mcdonald was pro-life because she's a fucking catholic um here's the thing i totally think it's murder i mean a hundred percent come on, it's a clump of cells it's not a clump of cells the fucking baby it's a life um i'm pro i'm pro-choice because you know the economic factors like it's true you know when they say well if we ban abortion then you know all the poor women are gonna like this gonna suffer they're the ones that are gonna be affected because then all the rich white women can afford to like you know cross the state lines and get an abortion and stuff i totally believe in all that so you know i just think it's a necessary evil and i think it's a really important thing to have for women to be able to have access to it but it's like i've never held anything against pro-lifers because it's like at the end of the day like they're trying not to see like babies being murdered. Okay. If you feel like babies are being murdered, like you're gonna be pro-life. Okay. So uh I have nothing against pro-lifers and I totally understand the pro-life argument and, you know, why um they're so passionate about it. You know, I wish that, you know, we could live in some utopia where there were no unwanted pregnancies and yeah, there were no unwanted pregnancies and no abortions, but unfortunately that's not the world that we live in. So, you know, we do need to have access to it. Um it's a complicated issue but yeah so that's about all this woman had on her is that she's catholic and that she's sort of like you know has some has some republican policies from like 40 years ago (laughs) maybe but like she's progressive on stuff not that it fucking matters like we don't have to sit here and debate heather mcdonald's like politics but i remember um She had, like, a fundraising after one of the school shootings. I know you guys in America have a school shooting every second day. After one of the really bad ones, she held some uh, fundraiser that was – I think it was something about, like, gun safety or – No, I don't want to like misquote what it was but it was like more progressive on the gun issue for sure and about like protecting kids and stuff it wasn't like you know let's give them more guns I hate that like the answer to fighting gun violence is more guns okay girl sure more craziness um oh yeah and then she brings up that Heather used to do quote-unquote like you know racist comedy bits because she would do impersonations of like Asians and stuff well her comedy bits were fucking funny she's like quite a talented impressionist um. Yeah. Who cares? It was funny. Like, so did Ch- Chelsea Handler did that shit. They all did. Um. She's a good comedian. Heather doesn't just single out minorities. I mean, she does impressions of everyone. She does, She used to do impressions of the housewives, and that was like her thing. She would just Im- do impersonations of the housewives. She would do Drew Barrymore. She would do Jennifer Aniston. She would do Asians Asian impressions. She would do Latina impressions. like e- just everyone because she's a fucking comedian. That's what they do. And she's an impressionist. You loser. So. Um, this woman's completely embarrassing and also she looks way too old to be making videos of, like, you know, why this comedian is problematic. It's like, girl, I get when, like, Gen Zs and stuff do that because it's like, you know, you're young and you think that you have sort of a bigger impact on the world than you really do, so, you know, you get heated about these things and, you know, you throw spaghetti at at the Picasso painting or whatever when you're young. I get it, but it's like when you reach a certain age and then- you're still on tiktok doing it it's like oh okay this is um this is a deep issue that you have anything else to say on this woman let me see i'm just scrolling through a thing okay she's complaining about men's rights activists this is so childish and it's so like I feel it's so like 2016 like culture war issues too and this woman's like doing it in like 2022 like get a job oh my god get a fucking job bitch uh yeah Get a job, get a job. I wonder what she works. She does have a job. She works in HR, probably. She's the HR Karen that Ebony complained to. That's who she is. Probably this bitch. Um, Yeah. This is going to be a shorter episode this week, actually. I did have some other really good topics on the list, but... I'm running out of time because uh, you guys know that I'm going to Sexpo, the the sex convention next weekend. I already pre-recorded an interview that I um, with the with the OnlyFans Grand Michelle, which I'm going to release next week while I'm gone, and I'm going to uh, record some other topics. So I do have some other juicy topics here. and I just want to save them for next week, and I am going to do a new Patreon episode before I go. So I didn't do a Patreon last week. So if you are a Patreon subscriber you probably haven't gotten anything in sort of a week or two, but I'm going to do a good juicy Patreon before I go. So, you'll get that in the next, you know, day or two, I think. Um, Also, thanks to the people that have been signing up. Let me get my little list. Um, Alfred, Josh, Brittany, Allison. I cannot pronounce his name. Please do not attack me. Um adela yogini uh julia rebecca patrick taylor allen muffy and i can never remember where i was the last time i was supposed to thank everyone but anyway thank you for everyone supporting and yes you will get a new patreon episode in the next couple of days um next week's episode will be good and uh yeah i'm, I'm gonna be at sexpo so i'll tell you all about that oh i actually interviewed um do you guys know johnny sins i interviewed him at work the other day apparently he's like the number one porn star but he's straight so i didn't know who he was he was very nice anyway guys thanks for listening uh make sure you leave me a a five-star review make sure you share the podcast with your friends as always that really helps me grow Uh, Follow me on social media, at UnpopularJP on Twitter and Instagram. And yeah, you can message me on there and or you can message, message me on Patreon if you're a Patreon subscriber. Thank you guys so much. And yeah, I will see you all in a week. Bye.